0: Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of my work at texasfootball.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Follow us on Twitter, DCTF. Uh, check out our basketball coverage at texasbasketball.com. Make sure and check out the new Texas Basketball Magazine as well. You can become a subscriber at com slash subscribe, and here today we got Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. Yeah, it's a, it is the offseason, but there's still just a steady stream of information coming out. Yeah. You know, it, it is kind of funny because, I mean, college football is not a year-round sport. Sure. But, like, there's just always something. Right? There's always
1: one little <clears throat> weird news quirk, some coaching hire, some coaching decision. Right. Some, yeah, there's always something that pops out around this time of year.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, it's February, and we've got two fairly significant news items, I'd yeah. say. Um, you know, and, and let's go ahead and move to those first. Uh, starting off, Shane Bouchelle mm-hmm. officially has a new destination. He's heading to SMU. Yeah. And actually, after that, uh, Willie Jones, the former starting quarterback at Texas State. He's heading to Kilgore College Mm -hmm. after uh, Jake Spavital came in. Um, Let's start with Shane. So SMU was such an obvious grad transfer destination to me. Sure. Because they lose Ben Hicks, their all-time leading passer, as a grad transfer, Mm -hmm. and they don't really have an obvious next guy. Right. They they didn't necessarily have like a, uh, you know, it's not like, you know, Buchel left because Ellinger's the guy, yeah. right? It, you know, there there wasn't a situation like that. Um, you know, Will Brown seemed to be maybe next in line, and mm-hmm. he's a very young quarterback. He was a true freshman last year. Sure. Um, you know, how do you like the fit for Shane Buchel?
1: Yeah, this is... I kind of love this fit. Yeah. Um, because... One of the things Shane Bouchel that we saw with Shane Bouchel his first couple years, or his first season, I should say, when he started under, when Sterling Gilbert was the offensive coordinator at Texas under Charlie Strong, was you kind of saw what he was good at, right? And you obviously saw what he wasn't so good at, which is probably the big play, right? You knew he could spread the ball around. You knew he could probably get up to that 70% completion um, I believe he had 16 as rook in his freshman season, but, you know, you saw the accuracy and you saw kind of what he did well with that, I don't want to say air raid, but that spread offense, right? Sure. And you realized, okay, he's not going to necessarily do that under Tom Herman. Herman wants somebody like an Ellinger, somebody like a, um, a Cardale Jones or a JT Barrett at Ohio State. And... Yeah, Shane Bichelle didn't fit that at all. Meanwhile, you have Sonny Dykes at SMU who really needs someone like that. You look at what he did with Jared Goff at Cal. Um, you look at that those type of quarterbacks where it's like, okay, we need somebody who can just work this offense down the field, not necessarily go for the 60-yard bomb, but the consistent 5- to 10-yard uh, pop routes. And that's what Shane Bichelle does great. And you mentioned Will Brown. Yeah, he was fine this season. You know, he kind of... I felt like he kind of uh, spelled Ben Hicks in some games just to kind of motivate Ben Hicks a little bit to show like, hey, look, we're not exactly wedded to you when Ben Hicks is playing pretty poorly. Um, yeah, I think this is a good move for Will Brown as well because it gives him someone another year to maybe learn a little bit more. Um, Wait, another two years. Two, two years, two think, years. Yeah, I, sh- I should say because Bushell is a junior. Um, but, you yeah, know, I think this is a hand-in-glove fit. I really like this for Bushell, and I think this really, really helps SMU.
0: Yeah, you know, I I liked what Brown was able to do last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I thought that he was, you know, even just right off the bat, he was a really good decision maker. Yeah. But right now at this moment, he's still pretty limited as a passer. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we we saw that in a couple games last year, obviously – You know, against Navy, they take him out in overtime because they're just like, well, you know, the running game isn't working for us. You know, I think it was Braden West who ran for a bunch of yards against Navy and he was just tapped out. Yeah. Right. And so when you're in a situation where you need to kind of throw the ball downfield, where you need to make plays happen down the field, Mm -hmm. well, Brown wasn't ready. And that's not to say that he'll never be ready. Right. You know, that's just to say at this moment in time, he was not ready. Yeah. And. You know, if I remember right, uh, SMU is only bringing in one quarterback in this recruiting class, mm-hmm. Terrence Gibson. I, yes, Terrence yes, from uh,
1: West, Spring Westfield. Yes,
0: yes, yes. And so, um, and Gibson is basically the whole 2018 season mm-hmm. uh, as a senior in high school with a torn ACL, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're bringing in an immediate contributor, right? Sure. It's, it's not like you're bringing in, you know, some blue chip quarterback who you think is going to step in and start right away. You know, it, the plan is for them to go with one of these guys on the roster. And mm-hmm. they have a couple of other guys. Uh, I want to say R- Robert Upshaw. No, that's, that's a basketball player, I think. I, I don't know. Yeah. They, they got two other guys, yeah. Upshaw and Overline. I don't remember their first names. I apologize. <laughs> but, um, you know, guys who weren't necessarily supposed to play. Sure. And so, you know, you bring in Shane Bouchelle, mm-hmm. And I think the one thing that we do know about him is that when he has time to throw, which he didn't have a lot because of Texas' offensive line was Right. He, When he has time to throw, he's a good passer.
1: Sure. I I believe he threw for 2,100 yards this freshman season. No, he
0: threw for 29. Almost 29. Okay, 21
1: touchdowns. There you go. I'm looking at it right now. Almost 3,000 yards, 21 touchdowns, 11 picks. I mean, considering how bad that offense looked under Charlie Strong at times, looking, going, Shane Buschel was a little bit of a bright spot as a a true freshman. Now, I think here's why I'm really interested in in what SMU can do next year. Because we talked about in one of our last episodes about the returning starters. SMU, despite losing Ben Hicks and James
0: Prochet,
1: SMU returns sixty eight. James Prochet's back. Is Prochet back? I think. Okay, okay, back. that's right, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So despite losing Ben Hicks, yes. they return sixty eight percent of their production on yeah. offense. That's fifty second in the country, which isn't great, but when you lose your starting your quarterback starting and you're quarterback. still Above average in terms of that. Right. Twenty sixth they're they're ranked twenty seventh in overall returning production. Yeah. This is a team that can win now. Yeah. And I think Sonny Dykes knows that. And the Sonny Dykes hire, let's not let's not uh ignore the fact that Sonny Dyke's overall hire was to continue winning. Yeah. it's not a He's not a rebuild hire. Right. I mean, they're going from Chad Morris to a coach with a similar offense.
0: Right. They were trying to make the transition as easy as possible. Right.
1: And so last year we saw it kind of obviously started off poorly, but it ended pretty well. Yeah. And I think when you bring back enough and you bring back what you do in offense, despite losing the bulk of your production at the quarterback position, I think you got. You have to go with someone like a Shane Buschel, where it's like, okay, who can help right now, right? right. Who can right. – who's someone who can come in right now and make a push for the conference title, make, make a push uh, to give us a winning season, a bowl season, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, and, and I mean, however much we want to joke about it, like, you know, Bouchelle was seen as like, oh, my gosh, we finally have our quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> we'll right. At text, at right. Texas.
1: I remember sophomore year, it was like, is Shane Bouchel a dark horse Heisman, right? right it was like, right, is he going to – you know, obviously that turned out not to be the case at all, but – it's because Sam Ellinger fits so well. Right. And not necessarily because Shane Bichelle wasn't a good quarterback.
0: Right. And, you know, the big thing is I think that when you're playing in the American, mm-hmm. the, the reality is you're not going to have to deal with the level of opposing defensive lines yeah. that you were facing in the Big 12. That's just, you know, it's just how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the other thing, too, is that, you know, obviously I think at Texas this year when you saw Ellinger take that step forward, a big part of that was because he had two receivers that mm-hmm. he could rely on all the time. Yep. Uh, which, which really, when you look at Bouchelle, he never had that. Right. You know, when he was the starting quarterback. You yeah. know, because because Colin Johnson was very inconsistent in mm-hmm. 2017. Sure. Right. He wasn't. He wasn't great. And so in 2018, you have little Jordan Humphrey, who I think changed everything with his his uh, step forward. Colin Johnson, obviously, uh, still sort of that big play threat. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it made a big difference. And at SMU, Shane Bouchelle stepping into a situation where he has on one corner. You have James Prochet. right?
1: Who NFL caliber receiver,
0: arguably one of the five best receivers in Texas, maybe probably, higher. Yeah, I mean, maybe probably the, higher. Maybe the AAC's best receiver. Sure. I mean, I think we could certainly make that argument. You know, I mean, because he's in that caliber of a Jalen Rager. He's mm-hmm. in that caliber of a Colin Johnson, a Denzel Mims. Right. Uh, you know, with Antoine Wesley leaving, I, yeah, I mean, that's the caliber that he's in, right? Mm-hmm. And then you also have Reggie Robertson, yeah. who was a little inconsistent in his first season, but you saw the flashes. Mm-hmm. You saw what this guy could be. You saw why he was a blue chip prospect coming out of high school. Um, you know, you're stepping into a situation with both of those things, and then you still bring back Xavier Jones at running back, who's going to be hopefully healthy this year. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a natural fit. They needed somebody to come in right away, start winning now. They were, people forget this, they were two wins away yeah. from playing in the AAC title game. They
1: really were. It, that that end-of-the-season run. Yeah. I mean, they knocked off Houston. They were in a shootout with UConn. They lost by 10 to Memphis, and yeah. they lost by 3 to Tulsa, right? Yeah. Probably should have got one of those wins. Um, well, they, the they, Tulsa one was unacceptable. Right, exactly. Right, should have gotten, even though it's on the road, you should have beat Tulsa. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, they got a win against a good two-lane squad. Yep. They lost an overtime to Cincinnati. Like, this is a team they, that— They killed Houston. Yeah, they destroyed Houston. And this is after starting at 0-3. Like, they had a right. tough non-conference. Right. And it's not going to get that much easier. I believe they still have TCU in North Texas. Yep, But, do. like— you know, this is a team that started off on the wrong, on the worst possible foot right. and still managed to scrape something out of that season.
0: I think an underrated or game next year... Or almost scrape something. Yeah, I think, something. I, I think an underrated game next year is definitely going to be SMU versus UNT. Oh, that's... Yes. You know, that, that's going to be one of the best group of five non-conference games, I think, just because you're looking at a situation where UNT, obviously last year, they get their big emotional win over SMU. Mm-hmm. SMU still has advantages over UNT. Sure. Um, you know, SMU should, in a lot of ways, beat UNT every single year, right? Mm -hmm. Now, UNT is rolling right now. UNT is at the top of their game. Everybody's back on offense, Mm -hmm. at least. And, um, you know, this is going to be a pretty good quarterback battle Mm -hmm. with Mason Fine versus Shane Buchel. I mean, these are two pretty good quarterbacks. Yep, Um, And two good offensive coaches i i think it's going to be a really interesting game and this one's going to be in university park next year mm-hmm. um that's going to be one that i think we'll keep a close eye on but oh, for sure but anyway moving on uh as we mentioned willie jones also leaving texas state he was opening day starter obviously mm-hmm. for texas state uh was the primary starter when he was healthy and, yeah. and that was kind of the big issue was he couldn't stay healthy um but you know we saw late in the year even why he was sort of so well regarded by the coaching staff mm-hmm. right i mean what, against Georgia State, he throws for over 300 yards, yep. at, you know, has three total touchdowns. Like, this is a talented player. Yeah. What, what do you think losing him means?
1: I think, well, one, I think it means that, obviously, Jake Spavadon didn't see him as a fit. Yeah. Um, He didn't see him as a fit. And I think it, we're going to see how much Willie Jones inconsistencies reflected in the Texas State offense. Yeah. Because this is a team that, had an incredible defense. Like, not even, okay, they're good for Texas State. They were, among among group of five, they were one of the best, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and an offense that just could not stay on the field. Right. And so, I'm looking at, Bill Conley just put out his uh, underachievers, overachievers. Mm-hmm. Texas State was the number one underachieving school in really? 2018. They had a minus 3.1 expected win. They had 6.1 expected wow. wins. Wow. And they are three. The next one's Nebraska at two point seven. They were a six point. They were a six point seven uh, mm. expected win percentage. And so, when you have, when you look at that, their expected wins, that's all on the offense. Yeah. Right. And we're gonna see how much Willie Jones, his inconsistencies and his injuries too. He's not. It wasn't just that, yeah, wasn't that he not played fault. poorly in some games. It was that he missed some games as well. We're going to see what they have with this offense. And, you know, because outside of Willie Jones, now you have, okay, if Tyler Vitt, who might also not be a fit for this offense, right? right? He's Jake Spavadol does not use dual-threat quarterbacks. You look at Davis Webb, you look at Johnny Manziel, you look at Will Greer. Johnny Manziel is obviously an exception, I would I would, I would, would say. As I, I'd to, also
0: argue that he's somebody who uh, who functions outside of normal offense. Right,
1: exactly. And so, like, you can say, Johnny Manziel's a dual-threat. He's like, sure, but he's also one of the best spread air-raid quarterbacks in, in college football history. Yeah. And so you're going to make things... He's a player where you say, okay, he doesn't fit, I'm going to make it work. Yeah. Like, and so... But you look at the other quarterbacks Spavodol has worked with; they don't fit the Tyler Witt mold either. No. And so, do you go to Gresh Jensen? Do you go to uh, Jalen Gibson, or do you go to Cedric Case? I think Jensen's probably the sure fit. Right. But, um, yeah. My first, my initial reaction was to Willie Jones transferring was okay. He didn't fit. Right, And yeah. Jake Spavitt all looked at him and probably said, I don't think I can make this kid fit in this offense.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, that's really yeah. interesting that you bring up the, the win expectancy thing mm-hmm. because, you know, that was one thing that I think there was sort of that bottom group of teams, you mm-hmm. know, in in, uh, in the state of Texas. Obviously, UTEP, um, UTSA last year, mm-hmm. Texas State, Rice. The thing that I'll say about both Texas State and UTEP mm-hmm. is that they played a lot of close games. They really did. And, and, um, you know obviously you know we we talked to at length a few weeks ago about obviously you know if everett withers can get one more mm-hmm. maybe he's coming back next year right now now i mean i think that the fact that they were able to get spaddle is fantastic sure. because i think he's a great hire but i mean yeah you look at you look at these games right and these are against you know relatively tough teams in many cases mm-hmm. a two-point loss to georgia southern six-point loss to ulm on the road a five-point loss at troy and if you could get two touchdowns, right. you win that game. Yep. You know, and and obviously there were a couple of bl- blocks uh, thrown in too against App State, against Arkansas State, but, uh, I mean, you just look at the schedule and there's so many more opportunities where you should have won games. Yeah,
1: and you look at the two games in particular that I look at, and yeah. these are the ones where Willie Jones is hurt. Yes. You look at UTSA. Yes. Because Tyler Vitt comes in, throws a pick six. Uh, of course, the infamous quarterback sneak on the one-yard line. He gets stuffed for no ga- for a safety. You know, uh, Willie Jones is knocked out of that game. They lose 25-21. Then you look at the, uh, let's see, South Alabama, he actually played really well. They just lost that one. You look at Georgia Southern. Yeah. Willie Jones taken out of that game as well. Tyler Redd goes. He plays fine, but the offense still just doesn't find its groove. You get two of those wins, Withers is probably back. Right. Right? And also, one of the other things that I, because you look at a quarterback like Willie Jones, you look at the athlete like he is. I wonder if Spavodol looked at him and said, "Hey, do you want to try a different position?" He just didn't want to. Sure, sure. Because I know for certain he was recruited as a wide receiver at first. Really? And he wanted to play quarterback. And then Withers and I believe the staff said, "Look, this guy's too talented. Let's see what we got at quarterback." Obviously, he became he, he's good enough to play quarterback. I'm wondering if he went the JUCO route because I'm curious of what his demand was as a quarterback, and maybe he wants to prove himself as a quarterback. Yeah. And he said, "Look, I'll go. I'll go. You know." Uh, cut my teeth in juco show that i can be a quarterback and hopefully get some love that way as opposed to maybe some schools were like hey we can like be like you at receiver and he didn't want to do that route i don't know um that's my assumption just because he's an incredible athlete he's 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 kind of an interesting build six three under 200 pounds so like maybe that's a, a lot of teams saw that as a wide receiver build but uh nonetheless wish him luck because he is a talented player and it, it does make an interesting thing uh interesting situation now for texas state
0: yeah no and i mean he showed some things at quarterback sure you know i mean i mean whatever you want to say i mean he was hurt for a lot of season 57 mm-hmm. percent completion i mean okay that's, that's not fine that's fine that's a that's you see that you see that completion you see right. that percentage a lot right uh 7.5 yards per tenth. that's pretty good yeah and um you know and maybe the answer does end up being that Willie Jones is a quarterback but he's not an FBS quarterback sure you know maybe maybe he just goes down to the FCS level and he lights it up with Sam
1: Houston right right that's perfectly awesome right perfectly.
0: so I don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah I think that I think overall uh Texas State I think is going to be fine at quarterback they're bringing in a lot of guys Mm -hmm. uh you know I, I am curious because you know obviously when you're running sort of that air raid system having your guy is important yeah and um you know, and, and obviously that's one of the reasons why I think that you look at Jensen and, and you know, he played under Bob Stitt mm-hmm. at Montana. Mm-hmm. And Bob Stitt, obviously, off to office coordinator at Texas State now. You know, so maybe he's just somebody who knows what to do a yeah. little bit more. Because, you know, people talk a lot about air raid, obviously, and that it's an easy system, per mm-hmm. se. Um, it's easy to run once you get the hang of it. Yeah. But, you know, when we talk about, I mean you know, look at Texas Tech's quarterback room, right? How many of those guys truly started for four years? Yeah. You know, Most of those guys were waiting until they were juniors and seniors, and then they had a handle on things, mm-hmm. and then they were able to run it with relative ease. Right. You know, well, I, SMU this year, they start off yeah. terribly. And yeah. And then they finally, you know, Ben Hicks is an experienced quarterback. Yeah. And it took him a while to get used to that. Right. So... I think that just because of the adjustment process, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Just uh, getting to come in and and giving them some much needed help right away. Mm-hmm. Um, down the road, I mean, it is interesting. I mean, Tyler Vitt was a true freshman this year, right? right? You know, so I think that he's perfectly moldable if he wants to stay and be molded. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's uh, there's going to be a lot of names in that room too. Obviously, with Vit, Jalen Gibson, and uh, and. Case oh, uh, Cedric Case Cedric Case yes um you know all sophomores are younger
1: yeah I'm 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 gonna say keep an eye on Jalen Gibson yeah just because I never thought that Withers Withers raved about him and uh, some of the other coaches raved about him but he never got the shot that I feel because I don't think he was the mold that they wanted yeah Vitt and Jones were better runners yeah and I think watching Gibson in practice when I was uh, covering Texas State. I I was I was impressed and I feel like this is a chance for him to kind of put his name back in the race
0: Uh, yeah I mean and and look the the reality is too like he dominated at Mejia yeah and uh you know Mejia's not
1: a uh, not
0: a dominant football school no (laughs) no And, and the other thing too is that hey man that's that's pretty small school. That's pretty low resource. So you're coming in now and all of a sudden being an FPS quarterback, sure. there's an adjustment period. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we know he has the talent. We've seen him do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I remember I used to, to intern at uh, ESPN Central Texas when Dude. I was in college in Waco. And, I mean, just every time we just see his, his, you know, we see his box scores flash across and we'd be like, he did what now? (laughs) You know, it's just, he does crazy things. For sure. Well, I I think we're all big Jalen Gibson fans here. So we'll see whether he gets a chance. I mean, he's a good passer. And and I think that that might make him a good fit for for the system. For sure. Anyway, uh, we're actually going to move on to our interview now. I got a chance to talk to Texas Tech defensive coordinator Keith Patterson over the weekend at the Lone Star Coaching Clinic in College Station. I actually got a chance to meet Matt Wells too, and um, you know Matt's a really good guy. I'm curious to see how he kind of transitions, but he seems to at least understand the personal aspect of the job, Mm. you know, because he wasn't scheduled to be at this clinic. He just showed up and just wanted to talk to everybody. Sure, yeah, you know, and I think that's the sort of thing that um, that you have to do when you're new to the state,
1: right? When you're coming out, when you're and he didn't have that many. He didn't bring that many assistants either that had Texas ties. I believe. No,
0: no. In fact, um, so let me think. He he brought. Six or seven assistants from Utah State. Sure. Now Keith Patterson, who I'm talking to, uh, actually was the defensive coordinator at Allen back okay. in the '90s. Oh wow! Okay. So, so he has ties, but it's been a while. Yeah. Obviously, um, they brought in Kerry Cooks, who was the defensive backs mm-hmm. coach at Oklahoma. Right. But and they have a uh, an analyst, I think, who was a who was a high school football coach in Texas. Okay. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a learning process for, yeah. for them, obviously. It doesn't hurt
1: to get, on, get his boots on the ground, though, and actually yeah. start meeting coaches in yeah. person. Yeah, so.
0: and, and look, I mean, I don't know if it totally comes across in the interview, but Keith Patterson's a fun guy. Yeah. Like I, I got to sit in for his talk a little bit at Lone Star Coaching Clinic, and, cool. and he is up there, he is <laughs> active, he's, he's fun, he, he has a really interesting philosophy that I, that I think that we'll get to see sort of uh, come to fruition in the next couple of months. But cool. uh, without further ado... Here's Texas Tech Defensive Coordinator Keith Patterson. We're joined now by new Texas Tech Defensive Coordinator Keith Patterson. Coach Patterson, thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Thank you, man. So, of course, uh, you guys have just moved down to Lubbock. How has the transition been just moving into Lubbock?
2: Yeah, it's been great. I mean, the, the people are so friendly and uh, the the people in the university are first class. I mean, starting from you know the president right on down through the athletic director and and uh, just it, it's just I think it's going to be a great fit uh, for both sides and we're excited about the opportunity to to and, and the process that it's going to take uh, to get Texas Tech football you know in, into the picture of the big scheme.
0: Well, you know obviously uh, a lot of us have gotten to watch your scheme at Utah State obviously at Arizona State before that playing of other destinations uh you know what are sort of the basics of what you want to do on defense well
2: i you know i think that it always has to begin with you know you got to design a system that complements your offense and then that that system not only has to complement your offense, it has to be designed to win your conference. Uh, you know, with all the spread and hurry up, and, uh, no huddle teams that are in the conference, you know, I think uh, we're suited for that. But I, I think also there's a good mix of teams that want to go with multiple tight ends, and you have to have a definitive plan for 12 and 13 personnel and two back sets and, and be able to defend power football as well. So uh, you have to have multiplicity within your system for sure.
0: Obviously, you know, when Coach Wallace took the job, you, you had options whether to come or not. What what do you think made Lubbock and Texas Tech a good fit?
2: Well, you know, I grew up in southwest Oklahoma, so I'm really about three hours and 50, 55 minutes away from my hometown uh, there in Lubbock. And, you know, I'm familiar with the area and the type of people, uh, you know, a lot of farmers, ranchers, uh, just uh, oil and gas industry, which is very much... Uh, Uh, like where I come from so uh, it just was it was the right fit I mean my wife's excited she's close to her mother and her father and her brothers and sisters and uh, I I got brothers and sisters that are still close so it's been great to uh, from that standpoint but I I just think that the type of people I mean that, that that's been probably one of the most impressive things about Lubbock to this point is just the the nature of how welcoming how friendly the the people are and that's what makes that place special.
0: We're out here at the Lone Star Clinic today and, and during your talk, which by the way, I, I got to say was one of the most entertaining that I saw today. <laughs> I, I, I just got to throw that in. Um, but, you know, you talked about kind of changing the mentality. Yeah. Uh, what does that mean to you? Well, I
2: just think, you know, yeah, we have to rewire the way not only our players think, but the way that our coaches think. I mean, uh, you, you just can't coach football defensively the way uh, I think offensive coaches, uh, I think the offensive schemes are ahead right now. I mean, Uh, you know, in these specially spread up-tempo leagues I mean, uh, so I think defensively we're kind of playing a little bit of catch up and I think that's just a challenge and I'm challenging my own personal self to how do you think outside the box how do you do things, uh, not reinvent the wheel, uh, but yet uh, try to get out from behind that eight ball and get out in front of it uh, and you know Try to play catch up in this league and try to play great defense because I mean you never want to go into it thinking oh we just want to slow people down. I want to try to stop people and to do that you have to think outside the box.
0: From a recruiting perspective, uh, you know how do you think coming from from Utah State helps you with being able to recruit to Texas Tech? I,
2: I think I think it's almost identical because I mean uh, it's not easy to get to Logan, Utah. You know yeah. it's 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 remote. Texas Tech and Lubbock, uh, we're, we're out in West Texas, uh, you know, and I think we get kids on campus, we just get them there, we're going to have an opportunity, because once you get them around our players and our program and our, and our, and our people on, on campus, uh, I think we have a legitimate chance to, to be able to, uh, they, it's something different, and, and I think it's very, very unique.
0: You, you guys obviously, the last couple of years, have been really prolific when it comes to turnovers. How do you coach that, and how do you uh, build sort of that mentality?
2: I just think it's a mindset. I think you get what you emphasize, and, I mean, we emphasize it daily. We measure it daily. I mean, any time you emphasize something, you have to have a, 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 uh, an assessment of how you're measuring up to that uh, that goal or that objective, and um, that, that's what we do. We do it every single day. It's not some about some magical turnover drill or nothing like that it's just something that that it's more of an awareness maybe than it is a, a physical drill
0: you know I, I don't think it's any secret that Texas tech the last couple of years has been sort of a historically bad defense at times um you know what's the key to turning that around
2: well again i i've, I've hit on that a little bit about uh, it's not just all about scheme i mean obviously we have to get uh, our talent level with depth um you know because there is there is There are good players at at Texas Tech. I think we just have to do uh, a a better job of creating some depth, uh, uh, creating a buy-in, getting young men to trust in in what we're trying to accomplish. And I think once they see the results uh, of that and they start having success and that's on field and they can measure it and they can see it, I think it just creates a buy-in.
0: Obviously, your, your last stops: Utah State in the Mountain West, Arizona State in the Pac-12. Two, you know, two conferences where you can see basically any scheme offensively uh, be- between all the teams in those conferences. Do you think that's an advantage coming into the Big Twelve?
2: Yeah, because I think it, it's you know you had uh, you had some pro style offenses, you had some spread offenses, you had it probably um, at the time that I was in the Pac-12, it's probably more multiple than maybe any conference. in. I mean, you had Air Raid with Mike Leach. You got you got Pro Style with you know USC. You've got uh, you, you had uh, uh, Stanford multiple tight ends, 13, 14, 12 personnel uh, pound, pound it, run play action. So I think the versatility of our scheme probably got stronger, uh, you know, uh, at at times. Um, so I think it made us more versatile.
0: Do you, how much value do you think it is uh, for Coach Wells bringing in both of his coordinators from Utah State? I think
2: it, I think it creates a continuity. I think it creates um, a little bit of a quicker transition because everyone kind of knows what to expect from a schedule, from a uh, operation day to day operation, uh, the, the, just the different you know uh, things that go on day to day. Yeah, I think it creates uh, a quicker transition.
0: Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll be watching you closely this year.
2: You bet. Thank you, man.
0: Thanks again to Texas Tech defensive coordinator Keith Patterson for joining the show. Like I said, Keith's great, uh, and, and you know, we're really interested to see what they can accomplish at Texas Tech in the next couple of months because, you know, again, it's the end of an era in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway, the other thing that came out this week... Bill Connolly, as we mentioned, uh, who did the Biggest Over and Under Achievers a few weeks ago, or a few days ago, he released his preseason S&P Plus projections for all 130 teams in the FBS. This is always a fun sort of exercise because there's not a lot of times that we get to compare all the teams in the state. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there were some really surprising guys on the list. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I, I want to start first by just talking a little bit about his methodology. Oh. So, So his... Approach is totally numbers based, mm-hmm. right? And you know, we can talk about whether that's a good or bad thing, you know, on at another time. But I think that generally it's proven to be a very effective system. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes into account uh, with the preseason ones. He takes a lot of it uh, account returning production. He takes into account uh, recent recruiting rankings because you know you don't. The idea is that you lose a senior class. You don't necessarily know what you're replacing it with, so you kind of take into a, uh, account recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, you take into account, obviously, you know, some level of production from, uh, as a team the last couple of years. And then they, he actually takes into account a weighted five-year total. Okay. So that means that if you sucked the last five years, that's going to count against you. And that's going to maybe come up with a couple of these teams. And and it actually also means in some cases, too, it's like, uh, you know, the funny thing to think about, like, with Baylor and the preseason projections, like, that's taking into account 2014-15 as well, in addition to the last couple of years. So, now, it kind of evens out, obviously, but, uh, but it's just kind of interesting to, to see how he does it. So, the number one team in the state of Texas. This
1: one really surprised me.
0: Texas A&M. Yeah. So Texas A&M's on top, and they are overall number 13 mm-hmm. in, in the ranking. So, and, and I can just go through the top 12 real quick. just Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, okay, sure. LSU, they return a whole lot. Oklahoma, they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> Florida, Ohio State, Auburn, Michigan, Mississippi State, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. So just looking at that list, I mean, is it, does it surprise you that they're this high? Does it, do you think that they should be higher? Where do you think that this stands? It
1: kind of surprises me that they're a little... Well, I guess it surprises me that they're the number one team in the state.
0: Yeah. I guess I should say.
1: Um, yeah, because you look at who the teams that they're ahead of as well. Penn State, Washington. Yeah. I think then you start getting into those teams that, okay, Missouri, Utah, yeah, South Carolina. I think sure. they're definitely think, better than the teams right. after that. So. But I think, yeah. Man, I, I guess I underestimated how much that team has coming
0: back yeah
1: and how much how well that they ended the season how well they looked and i think i'm i think just cuz we know their schedule for next year that yeah. it's going
0: to be like i don't i don't think they're going to end at 13 <laughs> well and the thing is too though you know this this doesn't truly kind of take wins and losses into account. Sure. You know, it takes into account production. Right. And, and now you'll get dinged, obviously, for lose. Right. But um,
1: I, th- I think we've, I think just us at the offices here, we yeah. know their schedule for next yeah. season. And so we've kind of had weighted expectations. Sure.
0: But, but, you know, the ultimately too, though, it's like they're playing the top three teams. No, they're playing the top four teams. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. They're playing the top four three teams. Three of them in
1: and, their conference. Right.
0: Uh, <laughs> they're playing the top four teams. All of them. Yeah. So the thing is, they could go own 4 against those teams and not drop that much. That's true.
1: That's fair. You know, just because... it does take that into account right, that you're playing the top Right, the right, team, right. So. And so... And uh, if you steal one of those. Right. Like, if you happen to steal one right. against Georgia or LSU... Yeah, or and LSD and or, you know
0: what? The reality is, I think it's perfectly conceivable that they steal one. Sure. You know? Just because they get four shots.
1: Right. I was about to say, you, you feel like the odds are... Somewhat in their favor to, you know, catch LSU on a bad night, you know, something like that.
0: I I, I don't know. The LSU is going to be ready after last year.
1: Uh, Also, yeah, that's true. (laughs) I might have picked the wrong team. Might have Georgia. You know, they they get Georgia on a bad night. Who knows? I
0: mean, you know, it's it's it is going to be kind of interesting to see. Uh, You know, and and again. Chances are they're going to go 0 and 4 against those teams, right. you know. But but even if they get 0 and 4, and if they go 8 and 4 overall, mm-hmm. that's a damn impressive season. And you know, I mean, I don't. They'll probably still finish top 20, sure. If they go 8 and 4, that, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I,
1: think, I think just we've just been so we're just so cynical about the schedule next season, yeah. right? We're not even saying a And M's going to be bad. I think we're just like we we we've seen that schedule and we're like, oh god. What did they do? Like, yeah. they got Clemson and they Why, are got you Bama? Why are you scheduling a home
0: this? and home against Clemson when you're in the SEC West?
1: Right, and so that's I think that's where my surprise comes in, where it's yeah. just like, we've kind of, yeah, we've weighted our expectations, and, yeah. It's, it, I, ho- I hope they do well, right? We always yeah. hope, obviously, we always hope that Texas teams do well. You get to go to great games if Texas teams <laughs> do yeah. well.
0: We get to celebrate instead of you know, speculate. <laughs> right? I, let's put it this way. I really want to go to the Rose Bowl. Right. If, if I'm going to go to the Rose Bowl, it's going to be one of these top three teams. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, I think that's a, that's a good transition
1: to probably, yeah, the second biggest surprise on this is
0: to me, uh, to me, this is an even bigger surprise. Now, now again, I just, before I say this, mm-hmm. I must emphasize takes into account five-year rankings. Yes. Takes into account returning production, right? Mm-hmm. Even with that in the count, <laughs> The number two team in the state of Texas, ranked number thirty-four. Which, by the way, there's a huge there's a huge gap between A yeah. and M and everybody else. Yep.
1: The Texas? Oh
0: no! Just kidding. TCU. Oh. TCU. So. Oh. And, did, and did. obviously that means Texas number three. Sure. So. And and Texas is only one spot behind TCU. Yeah. But, but they're still. number thirty-five. Yeah. I just here's a selection of teams and and. S and P tends to be pretty high on like really really dominant group of five teams, mm-hmm. you know. So like uh, you know, just take that into account. But here's here's a selection of teams that number thirty five Texas mm-hmm. is behind. Okay, Minnesota, App State, USC, Iowa, Boise State, Christ. Miami, Tennessee, oh, God. Utah, Missouri, <laughs> like. I, yeah, I, I'm not saying like, like if Texas A&M ends up being the best team in Texas next year, mm-hmm. like it won't be a shock. Sure, I'd be a little surprised, mm-hmm. but we wouldn't be like some crazy shock.
1: Yeah. Now, now we should also say that S&P was very bullish on Texas this year. Yeah, I believe when Texas was hovering around twelve, the mid, yeah. you know, middle of the top twenty-five, they were like thirty to forty S&P. Yeah. Like, and that's partially because. Tom Herman's kind of found a way to hack the S&P. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, he's uh, I believe, let me see, Bill Conley also did his coaching overachievers, yeah. and Tom Herman's number one Yeah. in terms of, I believe he, over four years, he's had a 1.49 win difference. Yeah. And that's number one ahead of uh, Rich Brooks and Ken Niamatololo, a bunch of coaches yeah. that, uh, this is all time as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Texas was also number six in his top uh, 2018 overachievers. Yeah, S and P don't like Texas. <laughs> like so, that, that should be that should be the number one that should be the number one uh, takeaway from here. S and P just don't like Texas. Well,
0: and, and let's be clear too. The reason that S and P doesn't like Texas mm-hmm. is because of Texas. Yeah, the last five years are all taken into account. Sure. So you're taking into account couple of five and seven seasons Mm -hmm. you're taking into account a seven and six year two years ago you know you you have a one sample size year of being a competitive program sure and the other thing too and the thing that kind of you know you you sort of think of texas as a young team Mm -hmm. just because tom herman's fairly new here because they had so many young contributors like sam allinger like Hayden sterns even brandon jones pretty young bj foster Mm -hmm. texas is last nationally among Power 5 teams in returning production. Yeah,
1: we talked about that defense. They're losing yeah. so much. And we're just assuming Todd Orlando's going to put it right. all together, which, you know, he's earned that benefit of the doubt. For but sure. we got to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, just here's a selection of guys that they're losing. They're losing Lil Jordan Humphrey. Mm-hmm. They're losing Patrick Vahe, a, a starter who played yeah. a ton of games for them. Um, they're losing Charles O'Menohue. Mm-hmm. They're losing Brecken Hager. They're losing Gary Chris Johnson, Boyd. Anthony Wheeler. Uh, yeah, Boyd, Devontae Davis. They're losing a lot of their best players yeah now they're replacing those guys with guys like anthony cook right with guys like brennan eagles mm-hmm. and
1: brew mccoy mm-hmm. jordan whittington i believe texas they're ninth in recruiting impact so he yes. estimates yes. you know these recruits are going to come in and make a difference for sure but there's nothing to gauge that off of right now and for that's sure. what that's a big part of smp is if there's nothing
0: there we don't know for certain and and with returning production, uh, it's weighted. So, it's not just an overall sort of like they lost 27% or whatever. It's sure. weighted. So, one of the areas that uh, that losses hit hardest mm-hmm. and, and that they hold it against you hardest, were actually two, one wide receiver uh, receiving yards, mm-hmm. uh, like returning receiving yards. Sure. And the other thing is defensive back stats. So, mm-hmm. you're losing three defensive backs with uh, Devontae Davis, Chris Boyd, P.J. Locke. Yeah. And and those are three of your top tacklers, and those are your three top cornerbacks le- and nickelback last year. Mm-hmm. So you're, they're going to get dinged even harder yeah. uh, because they're losing guys at key positions, on top of losing basically all of their key defensive linemen, mm-hmm. and losing all of their best linebackers. Right. You know, and again, they'll replace them with guys who are awesome. Uh, and and but. The reality is those guys have not played football as yet yeah. at this level.
1: It's like we can't just say five star is going to be awesome, right. right? We have to say okay, especially at corner, yeah. right? Like a defensive back is so diff- Anthony Cook is. It, it's not going to be plug and play, yeah. right? He's talented. There's a reason why he was a five star recruit. I think he was the other than Ster- he might have been. He was right up there with Stearns and and, um, and uh, Foster. Foster is the and, top and over the right and as Harvard terms over of being them. the. Top defensive backs in the in the nation.
0: In, the, in the nation. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I mean I said last year, this this defensive back class at Texas to me yeah. is an all time defensive back sure, class. Sure. Absolutely. Like that's how good they were. They, absolutely. they had like five five star kids. Absolutely.
1: And Stern's proven to be a hit. Yes. Right. Uh so right so far right now, Foster's proven to be a hit yeah. in what we've seen of him. For sure.
0: Um We haven't seen much Overshawn. We
1: haven't seen much of Overshawn and we gotta see more of Cook. Yeah. Cook's gonna be throwing fire cook.
0: next year. Sure.
1: <laughs> and so yeah, there's so much... There. You can project all you want, but if we're going off what we've seen, we just don't know. And being a corner
0: is so hard. Yeah, because...
1: Being the corner in the Big 12, by
0: the, the way. In the Big 12. In the Big 12. He's going to yeah. get tested immediately. I, I mean, honestly, you know, sometimes I think that when it comes to being a corner, mm-hmm. being experienced is a lot more valuable than being good. Right. Because you just learn how receivers function. Mm-hmm. You learn how to look back you learn how to bat down balls you just learn how to do things Mm -hmm. and maybe you can keep up with the guy and maybe you can be in the right position or at least in the position to be in the right position yeah but that doesn't mean that you're gonna do a good job of tracking the ball that doesn't mean you're gonna do a good job of sticking with the receiver uh, getting in his face where exactly it would affect him Mm -hmm. you just don't know
1: we i mean we 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 gave Chris Boyd a lot of stick last year, especially yeah. for that Oklahoma State game against Tylan Wallace, where he was kind of put on skates. You, The fact that you could leave Chris Boyd out there and put him one-on-one is huge in yeah. the Big 12. Yeah. Like, yeah. the fact that they had a res- uh, corner where it was like, we don't have to worry about Yes, he's going to get beat, but every other, you know, week in, week out, one-on-one, yeah. take care of this guy, right? You're going to get beat just because that's the nature of being a defensive back in a corner, but they had that experience and that reliability there where it's like okay he's not going to give up constant 60 yard touchdowns he's not going to get beat on the curl he's not going to get beat on the double move is someone who knows what's going on
0: yeah and now all of a sudden I think the big issue is you know Brandon Jones is a safety who makes a lot of plays at the line of scrimmage yeah so now all of a sudden maybe and, and you can do cheat him up as can you put cheat him right, up a little bit right right and and now yeah maybe Brandon Jones play further back yeah. I think Caden Stearns definitely has play further back uh, with their nickel I mean whoever they end up playing at nickel you know I I don't know if they try to get Foster in there a little bit or whatever they mm-hmm. decide to do um, they're going to have to play further back as well probably mm-hmm. just to give a little bit of help to some young corners yeah
1: now they're gonna get I think they're gonna get a they're not gonna be thrown to the fire immediately they right LaTeX LSU, Rice, not exactly air it out teams. And then you got Oklahoma State, West Virginia, which we'll see what they are under Neil Brown, and Oklahoma. So, like, you're going to get, you know, the first three games of the season aren't going to be, you know, five wide, four wide spread air raid teams. Sure. But then you do get probably the three most prolific uh, passing teams in the conference coming at you. Yeah.
0: So. Well, and let's let's take a step back at TCU. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're d- talking d- a Did d-
1: d- <laughs> anybody who watched TCU knows yeah. why it's surprising that they're the second uh, highest team right now in the yeah.
0: state. And and again, I'm sure that a lot of their uh, value right mm-hmm. now is in sort of is is in um, not returning in in five year projection. Right. 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 What they've been over the last That's couple of years. The benefit of the doubt. Right. And and S and P Plus will take into account. Uh, will take into account more of the active season and less of the preseason projections mm-hmm. as the season goes on. Yeah. So Texas should shoot up, you'd hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and TCU will probably probably maintain. So actually, yeah, just looking at the numbers right now. So TCU is number 16 in weighted five year total. Mm. Texas is number 37. Th- and that's a big part of it. Now at the, the same end, yeah, recruiting impact, Texas is number nine, TCU is number 30. And they're not that far off in terms of returning production per what he's using here. Mm -hmm. But I think that there are some things that sometimes numbers can't measure super well. Yeah. And, you know, you return a lot of quarterback numbers...
1: What do you do? You want to <laughs> like right. the thing right. is like yes, y- it's going to measure that. Okay, all these guys are back, you know, except right. Sean Robinson, obviously. But it's like, you
0: know, oh look, all these guys are back. It's yeah, like Collins great, like, yeah. good
1: it's... question mark. Like, <laughs> do you
0: want that back? <laughs> right, and and uh, perhaps even more valuable, you end up losing Grayson science numbers. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, yeah. and so um, now it, it's, it's tough for me to to know because. A lot of TCU's issues last year were offensive Mm -hmm. line-based. And they bring back most of their starters on the offensive line. They bring back uh, Lucas Niang. They bring back Anthony McKinney. They bring back Austin Myers. They bring back Cordell Like They bring back guys who should be able to contribute at a higher level. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a home run that TCU's defense is better next year. That's not to say that they'll be bad because they were awesome last year. Sure. I, you know, I, I think that in, in some of this, because we talked so much about injuries, we lost track of how good TCU's defense was. Right. But if TCU's going to take a step towards contention, contention, their defense has to be not just good, it has to be actively better. Yeah. And do we really think that's going to happen? I, I think it's possible. <sighs> yeah. Um, they, now, their biggest losses were on the defensive line, and their biggest Returners are also on the defensive line mm-hmm. because not only do you, you do lose Blacklock, uh, you do lose who they have on the other side last year. Oh, uh, uh, LJ Collier, mm-hmm. um, who right. both of whom were awesome. Right. Now you bring back Ross Blacklock, who was obviously out for all of last season, and Blacklock was awesome as a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. Now I, I, at linebacker, I'm a little bit less confident. Wal, Garrett Wall was awesome, but you know I I don't really know what, about the other production that they have there. Defensive back, they do bring back their guys generally, but Mm -hmm. it's just, will they take a huge step? Sure. I don't necessarily know that. They were actually pretty low in terms of returning production on defense, mostly, I'm sure, because of losing their defensive linemen. And offensively, it's just, where does it come from? Mm -hmm. Which guy is going to be the guy that you sort of bank on at quarterback? Because, you know, Sean Robinson's gone, Michael Collins is back, Grayson Nealstein's gone. They obviously bring in Justin Rogers and we'll see whether he we'll see can, if he can feel, feel his leg. Exactly. <laughs> like that's still a thing. Yeah, By the way, they're yeah, highly talented quarterback. Can't feel I, his leg. I'm worried. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say that I'm worried about right. that. They bring in Max Duggan, who I think will be good down the line, but mm-hmm. he's still really young and really skinny. Right. And they bring in Alex Delton, who
1: I, let's, if Alex Delton is your starting quarterback for TCU, then you're trying to make a bowl. You're happy. Oh. And,
0: and he barely started for Kansas State last oh, year. He got benched at Kansas State like, for Skylar uh, Thompson.
1: Yeah, like.
0: And, and the thing was, at Kansas State, Dilton was the running quarterback. Right. Skylar Thompson was the passing quarterback. Right.
1: And if you watch TCU's offense the past couple of years, they don't, they're not a. They're not a Dolphins built for Alex Delton. <laughs> right. It's like we need to move the ball downfield. Let's bench Alex yeah. Delton. That's what Kansas State thought.
0: <laughs> now now, of course, the thing that we have to take into account is that Gary Patterson does not have two bad years in a row. Right. We, so,
1: he's earned the benefit of the doubt, right. but this might be his most impressive if he pulls it yeah. off. Yeah. Like and if he pulls anything out of this season, if they if we look up and they have eight wins, yeah. Gary Patterson's the best coach, like <laughs> by far. <laughs> Like, a top yeah. three coach in the country, in yeah. my opinion.
0: If they pull out eight yeah. wins next o- which, year. Which, I mean, I think he is a top five coach right now. But, man, sure. this would be a, an impressive. This
1: will be, like I said, this will be his most impressive thing. <laughs> right, yet.
0: okay. And let, let's move through the list a little bit quicker now. So, sure. ba- Baylor number four, not too surprising. They're number 40 overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sort of in that at that TCU-Texas tier. Uh, Texas Tech, number five uh, at 55th overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, so, so the top five uh, are all Power Five teams, which I don't think is a huge surprise. No. Um, tech, I think, is going to have an interesting uh, battle just trying to figure out their identity. I yeah. think that, you know, Wells is a big time culture coach, he's yeah. a big time development coach, and that's not something that necessarily translates in your first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay, but uh, but I think that it might, I, I think that there's a good chance that they end up lower than 55th this year. Sure. And I think that it pays off down the road. Right. Um, now, the one thing is you have your quarterback, which obviously is helpful, but but it's going to take some time, I think, uh, for Matt Wells. Uh, number six, you have Houston, number 73. I think that might be a decent value pick.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, the next two are actually kind of interesting. Uh, North Texas, number 84, SMU number 85. Yeah. Fairly close, considering
1: yeah. North Texas hammered SMU last year, right? And so you kind of figured, oh, there's a pretty sizable gap between the two, right? And it's like, no, not necessarily. North Texas has some things to replace on offense or defense, I should say. Yes, and uh, SMU kind of brings back quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and just glancing at their at the metrics going in, they're actually both pretty terrible in terms of five-year window, which makes sense, because sure. obviously in the last five years, North Texas has gone one eleven 11 and SMU, I believe, also went 1-11, yeah. So, you know, or 2-10, and 10, I think, under yeah. Chad more. So uh, that's not a huge surprise. Uh, moving on, um, next up, good Te- news for you, Texas State. Texas State, State.
1: man, that is, that's a little surprising to see them that
0: And, and, and more I... importantly, they're number 102. Yeah. And actually, hold up, let me, let, let, let's filter this by Sunbelt, because sure. I, have, I have this up so they are projected one, two, three, four, five. They're projected sixth out of ten.
1: That's fair. The Sun Belt was really good this
0: year. Yeah, and but I mean I think that you take being sixth at, in the Sun Belt next sure, year sure. ahead of ULM, Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, South Alabama. Maybe there's not like one of those teams that you're like, wow, we're better than them. <laughs> but, yeah. But you're you got it, some
1: coaching replacements too in there.
0: Sure, and and uh, they're right in the same caliber as as Louisiana Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not that far behind Georgia Southern. They're pretty far behind Arkansas State, Troy, and way behind App State. Yes,
1: both of those, those are definitely the five-year window oh, for sure. stretches. For right sure, there.
0: for sure. And um, and actually, <laughs> Texas State, you know, it, what's perhaps most impressive about them uh, with this projection is they are, out of 130 teams, number 127 in five-year, uh, weighted five-year, and yep. they're number 127 in recruiting impact. Oof. Yeah. And, okay. That's n- interesting. It, and that'll change. Sure, that'll sure. change. Um, you know, I mean, again, what we have to take into account is that when you're talking five years, well, that's before uh, Everett Withers, too. Yeah, right? you have
1: you have the friends last year, which was three and nine, and then you have the complete erasure of of the, or I should say, the restructuring of the program. Yeah. Under Withers, which is of course back to back two and ten. So
0: you know, it, it'll be something that changes. I think, yeah. uh, you know, as, as you look forward. Um, moving on. The bottom kind of surprised me. The bottom is interesting. Yeah. Uh, number 10. Now, I want to be nice. I assumed this team was going to be last overall. Fair. Rice. Yeah. So, now, I'm a big Mike Blumgren believer. Mm-hmm. But again, you talk about culture and development... That's what Mike Bloomgren's is doing. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I think he will do very well in the next couple of years. Right. But wow. it, it surprised me that he was ahead of the next two teams on the list. Um, and, and I don't want to give away what their overall ranking is, because we have to get to that second like the last team in just a minute. Because um, you, know, you look at Bloomgren's team, right? They had encouraging games early in the year mm-hmm. against Houston, against Hawaii, not bad against Southern Miss, not bad against Wake Forest. Then they get killed by UTSA, and it's kind of just downhill from there. Um, you know, they did beat Old Dominion the last week of the year, but Old Dominion was a weird team. I, it, sure. They're not a Texas team, but we I, I just want to talk about them for a second. Okay, they, they went 4 nades, but their 4 wins, a crazy comeback against North Texas. They were down 21-0, to zero, I want to say. Um, th- they beat, okay, beat VMI, whatever. Uh, did you see that Western Kentucky ending? I did not. Oh man, they—they, they, I want to say that this was the one where, like, everything happened in the last ten seconds. Hmm. It—if you haven't seen that ending, look it up. It's—it's it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then their other win was against Virginia Tech. <laughs> so, Altaminy was a weird team because then they lost by forty-two points to Liberty. Yeah. They lost uh, by fourteen points to Rice. They lose by thirty-four points to Middle ten. It, this is the weirdest team. Anyway, th- sorry to digress. Um, we have to talk about this number 11 team. At number 128 overall, number 128 overall, UTSA. Yeah,
1: and I feel that's generous. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I understand this is a five-year thing, and they had, you know, they had the bowl a couple couple years ago. But, God, there's... I Whoa. have no optimism for this team.
0: Well, well, you know. And, and so, I think that when you look at this returning production uh, that, that he has taken into account with the metric, I think he's taking into account sort of that with the sure. quality of the players coming back. Sure. Um, so, the issue is not five-year total. They are number 94 in weighted five-year total. They're number 128 in returning production. <laughs> And on top of that, number 88 in recruiting impact, which is pretty good. Pretty okay. I mean, though, yeah. that's kind of Frank Wilson's, yeah. you know, his but, but But, you know, the thing that you, you take into account with, again, you look at the bottom four teams, right? Tech State, Rice, UT yeah. State, UTEP. Yeah. And obviously UTEP's last. They're yeah. they're last in the country right now. And... and they will not be last by the end of the year. I don't know. I don't. Think th- so I think that they're gonna. You know, That's definitely a five-year thing. That's why like you look absolutely. at. I think they're one twenty-nine, one twenty-nine, one thirty, and returning as well. They're actually right. last in returning. Right. And I that, think.
1: Yeah, they'll. They might be one twenty-nine, but they're not gonna be one thirty. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. I don't. I think for sure, for sure. And, so, but the thing that all of those teams, other than UTSA, have in common, is they're breaking in new coaches. Hmm. And UTSA is about to head into year four under Frank Wilson.
1: And it does not look to be getting better.
0: No, I mean, they lose Josiah Mm Tawefa. They lose... I always mix up their running backs. I... Is Jalen Rhodes leaving?
1: I, I think, think Rhodes is leaving and okay. Daniels is coming. I'm going right. to look it up right now because, right. yes, I, I just, agree. They're I both the mix same them player to me. Because
0: they're both great. <laughs> they're bo- yeah, They're both great. Jalen Rhodes
1: is leaving. And, All yes, right. it is. Yeah, right. I got EG it right. Daniels coming
0: back. Um, but this was a historically terrible offense right. that brings back some <laughs> – you're you're we've talked about this they're putting all their they're basically putting all
1: their eggs in a quarterback coming off a torn ACL yes and that uh, we have not seen play division one football
0: obviously yet. being Frank Harris yes and now we, we were talking the other day you know we've talked to, to our friend Ben Baby over the Dallas Morning News and he is a Frank Harris believer
1: he's a Frank Harris believer there are some people who who project him who projected him originally to be better than Mond yeah like uh, both Mond, kids from um, San Antonio, right? Both kids from San Antonio, and there's some people who saw both play, you know, Mond at, at San Antonio Reagan, and Frank Harris at Shirts Clemens, who say Harris is the better player, right? Yeah. I and mean, that's kind of crazy, obviously, because Mond's doing so well under Jimbo Fisher at A&M, but that just shows the hype that Frank Harris had, and he, again, he was a coveted recruit. This is when Frank Wilson was coming in, you know, guns blazing in the recruiting <laughs> trail, and everyone's like, oh, he nabbed Frank Harris, right? And so. I believe uh, Baylor was also in on Frank Harris for a little bit. There were some offers that were like, "Oh, he chose UTSA." Interesting. Okay, yeah. that's so. He's he was a hyped prospect, and I believe. Let me see. I'm looking at his offer yeah. list right now. Baylor,
0: Bowling Green, Georgia Tech, yeah, ULM, yep. Navy, New Mexico, North Texas, Rice. He was a like coveted group of five quarterback, for and sure. so
1: it's like, okay, let's see what let's see what he has. And obviously, he tore his ACL, I believe, last year in spring camp. Yeah, or I mean, fall camp. I can't no, it was spring camp because I remember we were putting up the magazine. Yes. And we're like, hey, look, <laughs> time to erase the UTSA <laughs> section. Um, but, no, like, they're putting all their eggs in that basket because, because their quarterback, obviously, situation was just so terrible yeah. that I don't know. I'm, I'm not optimistic about this offense at all. Their other solution was to promote from within for offensive coordinator.
0: Now, I've heard stories that that you guys kind of told me about when you guys went down to UTSA, and Mm. Frank Wilson thinks that Jeff Castle is the guy.
1: Right. He loves Jeff Castle. When they hired out Borges, you were like, wait, why didn't you just make – the way he was talking about Castle, you were like, why didn't you just make him the coordinator? And
0: and so this was the guy that he always envisioned to be the future of the offense. The issue is I don't know what – Frank Wilson's vision of the offense. Is. I was gonna say, like, he, he's the future of the offense, and I'm like,
1: why? <laughs> right. What has I don't know. He was the passing game coordinator. Or he was a yeah. wide receiver Which, coach by the way, something? not
0: not the uh, yeah. He was a passing game coordinator. Yeah, I was like, okay, not not great. The, uh, like, I don't, know not, I, I don't know whether you want to transpose the passing game onto the rest of the offense. <laughs> right.
1: I was about to say, I was like, okay, I don't see that aspect, and say, yep, that's what should be the entire offense. Uh, right. So,
0: UTSA is still young. Right. You know, because they do lose a lot, but they ha- all of their depth was young. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the big hope is that you bring in offensive linemen who are a little more ready, mm-hmm. because that was probably the primary issue with their offense right. last year, mm-hmm. was that they couldn't run and their quarterbacks had no time to throw and were also bad.
1: Yes. And the running backs are talented. Yes. It's not like, this wasn't just like, oh, they couldn't run because they had no running backs. The running backs produced in 2017 when they had a better offensive line and Dalton Sturm, at quarterback who could stretch, who could, at least was a threat to stretch the field.
0: Apparently he's just awesome.
1: Right, yeah. I was about (laughs) to say. apparently he just like, we (laughs) underestimated completely how good Dalton Sturm was because, yeah, this was not, Yeah, he left, and all of a sudden, things just went to crap. But Jalen Rhodes almost averaged five yards a carry in 2017. Uh, B.J. Daniels is a highly touted recruit. These are talented guys in the backfield that just couldn't do anything last
0: year. Yeah, and and actually, just just glancing at the numbers real quick, yeah, so uh, in 2017, this is B.J. Daniels' Well, okay, he didn't really play. Uh, so let me actually right, go to right, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I knew he didn't play much. So, so 2017, future. 134 carries for 659 yards, 4.9 yards per carry, 5 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. 2018, 72 carries for 268 yards, 3.7 yards per carry, 1 touchdown. Uh, and Jalen Rhodes. Yes, yes. Jalen yes. Rhodes. BJ Daniels, 13 carries, 55 yards. Okay, he didn't really play this, uh, right. as a uh, what, sophomore. Um, 87 carries, 322 yards, 3.7 yards per carry, 3 touchdowns. So, like... And in the last six games of the year, this offense averaged eight points a game. Over six games. Yeah. And and most of that came in the season finale against North Texas. I think yeah. they scored 21 again in that game. And without that, they're down to six points in those five games. Mm-hmm. It's, now, obviously, turnarounds happen. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be like, the story of Frank Wilson is already written or right. anything like that. Sure, sure. But... The fact that the numbers are as low on UTSA as we are is concerning.
1: <laughs> and I think that if you, even if you ask UTSA fans, what changes? Yeah, like like you can say. Well, I know, did get
0: I did get an email from a very passionate uh, UTSA fan who did not who was not happy that I consider them among the worst teams. Uh, sure. So h- his argument was that now you have the offensive lineman coming in from the two thousand and seventeen recruiting class. And now Fair. they're going to be older. Now the issue is still, uh, at best, they're going to be juniors, mm-hmm. uh, true juniors. So and probably again, that's also song.
1: expecting uh, that improvement to be exponential. Yeah, like they could they could just plateau. Right. Like you're 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 assuming that yep they're going to get better. And it's like they yes they'll get better, but how better?
0: yeah well and and just I mean just to glance at the 2017 recruiting class obviously that was no, top three in the in conference USA sure number 75 overall great recruiting class yeah. so just looking down the list so they're uh so, okay these are their early enrollees so th- let me look at their offensive linemen they had a juco kid Josh Dunlop who was a two-star kid um a lot of these players are not offensive linemen uh, they had Kevin Davis from Angleton, uh, three-star guy. Really? They had, I believe, they stole him from Texas State actually. Oh a, yeah, uh, swing. So then they had Dominic Pastucci from Pflugerville Hendrickson. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Keon Smart was also a JUCO kid. So they only had, two, and, and then uh, oh, then they had uh, Brian Thomas from Louisiana, another three-star kid. So they had three high school offensive linemen. Yeah. And that'll help as they get older. But they also had two JUCO linemen who clearly have not <laughs> taken their talents to the next level. Right. And so, you know, you, you are going to get a boost as some of those guys get older. But I don't know. I, do you expect them to take this giant step? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And, I mean, again, I, you know, I, th- I think we've probably talked enough about UTSA. But, um, but, you know, it's just you look at their place in the state right now. Uh, you know, UTSA is a big public school. Mm. You know, they're they're a school that has a lot of alumni that has a decent amount of support um, consistently for their football program, even though they've been bad. So it's just, the question is, you know, Frank Wilson took this job to try to get another job. You know, and and now it seems like UTSA and Frank Wilson are both kind of stuck with each other.
1: Yeah, I I don't think either party thought that would happen (laughs) right your four is like okay cool who's uh, we're looking this this wasn't a long-term thing right cool it's a little fling both got what they wanted out of it both go their separate ways now it's like oh we're stuck
0: (laughs) all right well anyway so to to run through that again number 12 utep number 11 utsa number 10 rice number nine texas state number eight smu number seven north texas number six houston number five texas tech number four baylor number three texas number two tcu and number one texas a&m I don't know it's gonna be interesting to watch i uh that text a&m at number one and number 13 uh, that's that's gonna be an interesting one for sure yeah well anyway we've probably talked long enough we were, we were going to do a little bit short of a show, but I guess we, no, we can't stop talking when well, we start going, right? <laughs> so, yeah. we, we talked about TC versus text for so long. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, hey, Ish, why don't you give us an update about what's going on on the basketball side?
1: Yeah, we got uh, Corey Hogue killing it with the small ball, small basketball, Thanks. small Corey college the best coverage. Man. He's the best. If you want <laughs> women's basketball, men's basketball coverage, as far as that's concerned, uh, we're going to have some stuff on the girls' high school uh, playoffs kicking off, or they've already tipped off. They're going into area round. Uh, This Friday, huge upset. South Grand Prairie knocked off Duncanville, which is a huge, huge, monumental upset. So as the state championships come an inch closer, we'll have more stuff on that. Uh, As the conference schedules in college basketball start winding down, uh, we're going to have more stuff on that as well. So, yeah, uh, be sure to stick to TexasBasketball.com for your coverage on
0: that. Absolutely. And, again, you can find all of our stuff at TexasFootball.com. You can follow us on Facebook, uh, Dave Campbell Texas Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, make sure to become a subscriber. You know, we were talking about actually yeah. our subscriber plan for the next couple of months. Sure, we got so much coming out. We got a lot of stuff. We got coming a up. lot of ideas. New I mean, if you mix out there, Oof, man, stick, stay tuned. I, I'll tell you what, Greg Powers. I followed Greg Powers back when he was at Scouts, mm-hmm. and his stuff was just better yeah <laughs> <laughs> Someone better. i mean he's 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 good man he, yeah he's he's, he's one of the best in the business now he's ours so yeah. you know we'll have plenty of recruiting stuff coming out make sure to check out actually the the top 100 recruits from the 2019 recruiting class and in the next couple of weeks we'll be looking towards 2020 mm-hmm. um obviously with us you know we'll we're having a lot of stuff coming out with college we've got obviously plenty of high school stuff you're not a, if you're a high school fan and you're not a dave campbell tech football insider i don't even know what you're doing. Yeah. But uh, anyway. That's probably enough from us. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, we'd like to give a quick thank you to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. And we'll talk to you guys again next week. Next week. Next week. Next week. Next week.